Ion 2020, episode 77. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton, your host of Eye on 2020, the place that you're coming to daily to find that news and all the information that you need for this 2020 election cycle. I appreciate you uh, sticking with me through the thick and thin. Hopefully I'm putting out some good shows for you to keep on returning and uh, make sure that you uh, are staying informed and up to date on everything that's going on for this 2020 election cycle. It is Friday! Woo! I don't know if you have the weekends off. I typically do, and I really enjoy those days. But as you guys know, I have been on a cruise for the last week, and that comes to an end tomorrow. Uh, But I'm not even on the cruise right now because I recorded this a little, you know, last week in order to make sure that I have a full five episodes for you for the while I was gone. The reason why I did that is because through the magic of podcasting, I'm able to do that. I scheduled out that Monday through Friday shows and. I don't want to let you guys down. I want to make sure that I keep on pumping out episode after episode and uh, make sure that you guys have all that information that you need. And, you know, this is a libertarian podcast. If it's your first time listening, I appreciate you listening. Uh, This is a libertarian take on the 2020 election cycle. I also hop into some foreign policy stuff every so often as well. The reason why I do that is because I, I... I manage a site called IonTheEmpire.com, and that site is dedicated to finding out all of the uh, all the things that the that the American Empire is doing on the foreign front and also on the domestic front. You know, with spying and things of that nature on you, things that are taking away your freedoms on a daily basis. You got to keep an eye on that government, right? You you absolutely have to. And if you're not, then they're quick to try to slide in there and take away some more of your freedoms. And, you know, in exchange for what they call security. But we all know that once that, if that government ever did go away or whatever, they're going to play politics with your, with your security that you have in the first place. And they're doing that with social security nowadays. Every time you turn around, it's a, it's a threat that we're going to, you know, the Republicans are going to take away your security, social security check and so forth. So, I mean, that's just the way governments are, right? They try to take a little bit in order to give you something and then, they play politics with it for the rest of the time, but I appreciate you sticking with me. I really do, and I want to make sure that uh, all the information I give you from 2020 election stuff into that, you know, that I and the Empire segments that I'm doing every so often, that you'll get the information you need. So, uh, if you like what you hear, though, first time listener, right? If you like what you hear, go in and subscribe to the show. And if you've been listening for a while and you still like what you hear on a daily basis. Go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review. You can also follow me through my website, which is IonTheEmpire.com. And then you could go ahead and follow my Twitter handle as well, at IonTheEmpire. And you guessed it, Facebook is, what do you think it is? Guess. Okay, yes. 
It's Eye on the Empire. So you just type in Eye on the Empire on Facebook, and boom, there I am. And uh, you could like that page, and that'll help you to see that in your in your feed whenever you're scrolling through and you're finding all that good stuff on the libertarian sites you know those libertarian pages you're looking at your friends you're liking it and you're uh, comment comment commenting on your friends stuff give them a little thumbs up things of that nature you'll also see some eye on the empire stuff and hopefully you'll be more informed because you're following that web page that Facebook page, and also that Twitter handle as well. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much for all my listeners. Now the thing I wanted to talk about today, because I can't talk about the, the, the news because I am not psychic, right? I don't have a crystal ball in front of me, and I'm recording this a week ago. So <laughs> I can't tell you what's going on in the news exactly, but I could probably predict something, and that's, you know, that these, that these Democrats are still trying to give as many handouts as they can. So, you know, that's that's an easy prediction. You might have even had somebody step into the into the fray that decided that they're going to run and they're like trying to even go further left than than Bernie Sanders is. And you know, they're trying to give away the whole, you know, they they're like, "Yeah, we'll just start printing money, no big deal," right? That's what that's no, I don't have a crystal ball. I have no idea what the news is, but the thing I wanted to talk about today is what on earth is democratic socialism? That is like the, the, what the what they're talking about in the news, democratic socialism. We have Bernie Sanders who kind of threw that term out there, and then Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She got elected on this democratic socialist platform. It seems like the thing for you know thing for the today is democratic socialism and how great it is. And when you hear them talk, they say, it's not socialism, it's democratic socialism. So, you know, instead of having, it, instead of having like some, you know, dictator telling you how it is, the people are going to vote. The people are, it's, it's a good thing. It's, it's a nice, lovey-feely kind of socialism, right? One where the people get to make the rules and so forth. So, I wanted to get into this whole what on earth is democratic socialism and the reason why is just to set you guys straight let you guys know what it is a lot of you probably do but some of you might not who knows but at least i can give you a few good pointers on how to challenge people who are saying how great democratic socialism is going to be how wonderful the world is going to be if we just had some if we reworked our nation in order to make it, the United States, in order to make it a democratic socialist country. Because they say, oh yeah, you know, Denmark is democratic socialist, so is Sweden, so is Norway. You know, all these folks over there, they're they're just living in this happy, lovely world that they live in, and nothing can go wrong, you know, everything's just perfect over there. And if you look into it, those countries are really not necessarily democratic socialist though a lot of those companies or a lot of those countries have a very strong private sector where they you know the 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 businesses have low taxes low regulation and so forth but what that ends up happening is the people do have like those that social safety net but a lot of that seems to break down over time and that's what that's what i've heard 
a lot of people saying is in you know in Finland it's breaking down you have it in Sweden and so forth and when the government starts running out of money when the economy starts going bad it really comes down to budget cuts and so forth go to the services that the government's providing to the people first and that's you know that's when that security that you asked for sort of goes away but anyway let's jump into it cuz i the place where i was looking the other day was on the Democratic Socialists of America website just to find out who are they? What do they believe in? So we're going to go straight to the horse's mouth on this thing and find out who exactly they are and what they what their desires are for your country. So at their website, which is dsausa.org, you just the first thing that it says is who we are and what we do. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We believe that working people should run both the economy and the society democratically to meet human needs, not to make profits for a few. We are political and activist organization, not a party. Through campus and community-based chapters, DSA members use a variety of tactics from, tactics from legislative to direct action to fight for reforms that empower working people. So it sounds all lovey-dovey, right? That they're for the for the people and so forth. And they're for meeting human needs, not to make profits for a few. And this the key word there is profits for a few. When a world, when a when a business, when anything runs without a profit motive, you have no clue whether you're offering something that people want or not right yeah you might be offering something and there's no money in it because you're not because people there's no demand for it yeah that's an easy way to find out if what you're offering is something that people want but also the way that you tell if it's something that people really want and they're willing to pay for it that's how you that that's determined through profits whether it's a good product whether it's a quality product and so forth there's a lot of things that profit tells for example if you are producing a a a bicycle and it's a great bike, everything's great, and it costs you $500 to make it, and you put it on the market for $600 and no one's willing to pay for it at $600, then maybe you need to look into your the, the things that you're putting into it, your labor costs, your the the um, cost of of the the tools to manufacture it with, things like that. There's all kinds of inputs that go into that particular bicycle. And at that point you need to start tweaking things to figure out how to maybe reduce the cost of that bicycle, right? The cost to produce it. And at that point, you could bring the price down to 550 or even $500. And then if you cost you $400 to make that bicycle, and then you could sell it at a profit for $500, then you know that that is a reasonable price. But if people are not buying your product, then you know that it's not something that people want at that particular price. But profits, all that does is tells you if what you're doing is correct or not. And if we're going to live in a world like what these the democratic socialists want, you're not going to be able to tell from a business standpoint if what you're doing is the right thing. For example, you go into a restaurant and they're charging 25 bucks for a steak that's just a normal you know, USDA choice cut steak, nothing too fancy, and then the place next door is selling the prime steak for 25 bucks. You're going to go there versus the other place, but then you're sitting there, the owner's sitting there looking and saying, well, maybe I'm trying to make too much profit off this thing. I'm only buying it for five bucks, so maybe I'll sell it for 15 and then you're able to work things out just to figure out what the what the cost of something should be based upon the inputs that you put into it, right? And it's a very subjective thing because people don't make decisions always rationally. I mean, that's what that's what um, 
Austrian economics kind of tells you that there's a subjective, subjective, uh, you know, the price of things is very subjective and demand is very subjective as well. Uh, you might look at that steak and say, yeah, I don't want a steak. I want chicken today because I feel like I want chicken today. You know, even though it's a great deal, you're not just going to make that rational decision every single time. It's very subjective. There's a lot of different decisions that people make on what they're willing to spend. And even like they even say in the Austrian school, they'll say something to the effect of like a pencil for, or let's say you can get that steak for $4. You get the second steak for $4. You get the third steak for $4. The rational economist would say, yeah, you're supposed to just load up on as many steaks as you can. But what the Austrian would say is that that $4 steak ultimately is going to be the first one for $4 is great. The second one for $4 is okay. The third one, you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't spend four bucks on it, right? At some point, you're going to be too full to eat more steak. You're not going to be able to take that many to-go boxes home. So a $4 steak is, is there's not unlimited demand for that $4 steak just because in a rational world, um, you're going to make decisions based upon, well, what's the value of the next dollar that I'm going to spend on that thing? So anyway, uh, what they're saying about you know, the profit motive, getting the profit motive out of, you know, out of the economy, that's not something that's going to work. That, that's not something that could work because the profit, all it does is there's a profit and loss in every business. And if everything that you make is at a loss, then you're not going to stay in business very long. So there has to be a profit and a loss that kind of tells you if you're doing the right thing, if you're putting the right inputs into a product. And um, I just think that there's a lack of understanding from the, in this movement about the the value of profit but and i think i remember hearing there was a debate that i heard between a socialist and and a austrian economist and they were saying you know the the argument that the austrian was making was well in a free market you can start your business that doesn't make a profit you can start that and have a an employee-owned company you don't have to have the government use force to make that happen but i think a lot of these people are trying to use the political means to get these points across and that's when they do say at the bottom of it they said um, from legislative action to direct action uh, to fight for the reforms that empower working people so they're going to try to use the government force to force this stuff upon you rather than use a free market approach to try to win people over to their way like you can go out tomorrow and start an employee-owned business if you want to that can compete against facebook let's say you can do that everyone we're just going to start an employee-owned company every everybody in the company gets to make decisions we'll hire people accordingly um and see if it works if it works that's great if you could if you can convince people to invest in that by buying into it and becoming employees that's even better you know so anyway this is what they talk about current campaigns that they're working on it says DSA chapters organize around a variety of issues based upon local priorities, especially labor solidarity and anti-austerity work. However, the national office provides resources and support for the main activist priorities of the organization as voted on by delegates to our national convention. So their main priorities are this Medicare for all strong unions and electoral power. So let me get into the Medicare for all thing. Cause you hear this on the campaign trail now, right? Every single candidate is for some form of Medicare for all or Medicare for most or Medicare for some. But the idea is to get the government's foothold into there so that it can crowd out existing insurance programs. It can crowd out the private sector. That's what government programs often will do. So listen to this. 
Medicare for All is a stepping stone towards that vision, and our campaign is designed to build a working-class base of people fighting for state and national power, like basically over healthcare, right? So they're saying healthcare is a huge segment of our economy, and healthcare access is deeply and widely felt. It is a deeply and widely felt need in the capitalist system. You have to pay, or you get, or or you get care, or you you have to pay to get care or go without. And under a democratic socialist system, we would collectively provide care as a society. And that's when they say Medicare for all is a stepping stone towards that vision. But I beg to differ. In a capitalist system, you have to pay to get care or go without. And that is not true. There is something called charity. There is something called, you know, there is the fact that people in times of need come together and help each other outside of government, right? There is that. I mean, that, that there's, there's church groups, there's national organizations that are charitably run that have money to help people out. And in the absence of government, in the absence of Medicare, in the absence of a public option for health care, you're going to have these types of organizations spring up to care for the poor, to care for the needy who need health care. I mean, it happens every single day in this in, a, in this country. And they say if you don't have money, you don't get to get care. You get you either pay or you go without. And that is not true. But they want to make you feel that way. And whenever you hear a Bernie Sanders talk, they say, well, I don't think, I don't, sorry, I, I can't do my Bernie impression, Bernie Sanders impression, I apologize. So I won't do it. But he'll say something effective in the richest country in the world. There's no reason why somebody should have to go bankrupt to pay for their health care. And it happens. I'm sure it happens in this country. But ultimately, everyone would go bankrupt in that type of socialist environment. But there are ways to get through that bankruptcy. At least you can go declare bankruptcy for all of those particular um, medical bills. And then you could figure out a way to negotiate those prices down or just pay a little bit to the the hospital group and so forth. I mean, when I, I had, I had some major medical issues that happened to me about six or seven years ago, and it took me about three or four years to pay them off, but they were very reasonable. I spent, I gave them a hundred dollars a month because that's what I was willing to pay. I mean, I could have said $50 a month. They would have taken anything. They said, well, what can you afford to pay? And I said, well, how about a hundred dollars a month? They said, can we do it as a um, automatic ACH every single month, auto, auto draft your account. I said, go for it. That's fine. That sounds great to me. And they did it for years. You know, I think it was like three or four years and then finally it was paid off and I, I, but I was able to pay it off. Right. But I could have still been paying that hundred dollars a month. Now they, they were okay with whatever I was able to pay. And most of these hospital groups are like that from what I've seen. So Medicare for all, We've talked about this in the past on this show, but they the, the key words that they say is this. Medicare for all is a stepping stone towards that vision. So it's a stepping sto- stone towards a complete takeover of the healthcare system. They don't just want single payer. They want nationalized healthcare. That's what they're looking for. All right, so their next thing, strong unions. Capitalism pits us against each other and workplaces are fundamentally authoritarian unless workers can self-organize and build collective power. 
This is why people build unions and why employers undermine them. It is also why the capitalists as a class constantly work to undermine unions and promote narratives about unions that frame them as unnecessary, undemocratic, and ineffective. We are forming a national project to fight back and build power in the economy since outside of Wall Street, workplaces are the place where the owning class extract resources from the working class. Click here to learn more. So, while as a libertarian, I am okay with people with workers organizing so forth, what happens or what what goes on in the United States now is that the unions go to the state legislators and they get to you know decide or they get the legislators to pass laws that are you know laws that say if you're working at this company you have to pay union dues no matter what so nowadays the the big thing is these right to work states where you can work at any business at any job and if there's a union there you you can choose to pay the union dues or not what the unions do is they go to the state legislators and they get a monopoly on that business to represent you right so you are forced to pay and i think that that is where it's wrong so if you want to if you're at a restaurant and you guys want to get together and say hey man you know we're gonna stop we're gonna stop and try to negotiate with our with our management and we're gonna form some sort of union that's fine i i'm, I'm all for that if you are so indispensable to that business and if you as a group are so indispensable to that business that they cannot replace you and it's going to cost them money, then yes, you have a little bit of leverage there. But the reality is, is if you're worth your, if you're worth the money to keep around, they're going to pay you more. If you're that good, they're going to, there's going to be incentives there and you need to build your worth more than anything else. But if you, in a, in a pure libertarian society, as a libertarian, that's fine. Just don't go to state legislators and force anything upon anyone else, because that's a legal monopoly at that point. And to me, that that is wrong. And these the the democratic socialists they have their idea is to basically make it so that everything's unionized, everything's employee owned, or something. I'm not sure, but um, what they're tr- what they're doing is they're trying to use legislative bodies to force unionization upon place or upon workforces. And I think that that's that is definitely um, something that I would not be for. Okay, electoral power is their next stance. So Bernie Sanders launched a political revolution and we continue to build it. Supporting Democratic Socialist candidates running for local and state office. We're also grappling with how to build independent political power to hold candidates we elect and others accountable to their constituents rather than the donor class. Click here for our electoral website. So that's it. That, those are the three things that they said they're going to focus on, which I have heard that they went out and basically tested these specific terms and tested all of these action ideas. They tested like 10 or 15 of them, and the ones that came up as the most popular were Medicare for All, single-payer health care, so they, but they're calling it Medicare for All because that, that sounds better, and that, that it, you know, when they... When they pull people, it's pull tested, right? And it sounds better to them. Strong unions, and then obviously they're going for electoral power. And those are the three things that the Democratic Socialists of America are there to promote. So, 
for me, so let's, another thing they talk about is the history of the Democratic Socialists of America, which got started in 1971, um, and there was a couple of organizations before that. I wonder how well that went over in the United States back in the 50s and 60s, if you were a socialist. I know that there was some major challenges, uh, you know, in the late 50s and so forth, and, you know, there was a lot of people that were outing communists and things of that nature in government but other than that uh i mean the so the idea of being a socialist back then was very unpopular it is totally popular now and that's why i wanted to bring this particular episode to you guys as well is just so you kind of know where they're going and why you're hearing the certain things that you do out of bernie sanders mouth and out of all these camp all these people's mouths now they have medicare for all as a primary focus on the democratic ticket now right all of them are for that so do they change their views do they wait till they get medicare for all through and then move on to the next big step i'm not sure but if you read like uh certain writings of marx and so forth the first thing that they say there's there's certain stipulations there's like 10 things that lead to that uh, communist economy, and one of them obviously is control of the health system, and that's what that's why they're doing that. Whereas right now we have like I think one of them was state, you know, free state education for all type thing. That's one of them as well. And I'll get into the communist, you know, what it takes to become a communist state one day uh, for you guys as well. If you're interested, just let me know. Uh, you can do that at iandtheempire.com. Uh, you could also you know let me know on on my Twitter handle as well. But it is Friday. I'm going to be off that boat tomorrow. I'm so sad. And uh, I hope that you will join me on Monday when I'm back. And uh, I'll have a good tan, probably a good sunburn. I might be a little bit hungover still. Who knows? And But at least you'll, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be focused back in on the news. I'll be nice and relaxed and ready to go. And uh, come on back, though, and listen to me on Monday, all right? Uh, go ahead right now while you can. Subscribe to the show so you can hear that show on Monday. And give me a five-star rating and review. I worked hard for like a week trying to get together um, five episodes for you. At least you can do is just give me that five-star rating, please. And uh, that'll help me with those algorithms that everyone talks about, right? But um, anyway, come on back on Monday. And I hope today uh, you enjoyed the show. And hopefully you have clear vision uh, for this democratic socialism stuff that's going on. Have a great day.